Hello, welcome to this week's edition of History Now. My name is Barry Shepherd. Today I'm with Tommy Graham, who's the editor of History Iron magazine, and we're going to talk about the magazine and some aspects of public history. So Tommy, just to take you back to the beginning of History Ireland magazine, was it 93? Well, 92 actually, it had its genesis in this very city, Belfast, the Athens of the North. Uh, I was a junior fellow in the Institute for Irish Studies uh, up at Queen's. But uh, I met various people, uh, sometimes over a pint as these things happen. Uh, but Hiram Morgan was one of the people there at the time. Hiram would be the you know, biographer of uh, Hugh O'Neill, it was uh, Tyrone's Rebellion. But um, Hiram had written a piece in response to Brian Friel's Macon History, which is about Hugh O'Neill. And Hiram had some you know, historical criticism to make of it. But at the same time, he had admiration for Friel's imagination, you know, and making history engaging. And he kind of said, basically, this is what historians need to do. Uh, and, you know, I think this is also at the height of the whole revisionism thing, you know, uh, this feeling that, that the historians have sort of stolen the history, you know. Uh, so Hiram said that what was needed was a popular history magazine. So he put out the call. Now, he did approach various uh, publishers, but they wouldn't touch it with a, a 40-foot pole, you know, I, and I can understand why. So he had hawked the idea around to no success. Now, I was involved in Dublin with a, in a small printing co-op with a ch- fellow called Rod Ely, and we knew, like, there was no future in printing, you know, that we needed to get a publishing uh, project. So separate to Hiram, you know, we had kind of vaguely discussed this idea. But it was the, the accident of me being there in the Institute with Hiram, a few other people, uh, Peter Collins is another one, uh, Peter Gray, you know, there was just a, an odd collection of people, unemployed or underemployed postgraduates. I mean, that, that was part of the, the package as well. So Rod basically put it up to everybody, said, right, you produce the copy, I'll produce the magazine, right? And it was done by the seat of its pants. I mean, we, what we did initially was we gathered everyone's contacts and remember this is in pre-digital uh, uh, you know smartphone computer even computer days you're talking about hard copy lists of names addresses and whatever we made up a facsimile of the front cover we put a subscription form on the back of it and we emailed about 10,000 people and we got about a thousand subscriptions for a magazine that that did not yet exist that paid the print bill for the first one and then we got enough subs subsequently to pay for the second one, and so on, and so on. But we, right from the start, though, we got uh, the backing of all the great and the good, the patrons, as we call them, you know, Roy Foster, um, um, Louis Cullen, um, you know, a whole range of people. And the support we got from within the academy was, was, was extraordinary. I mean, for such a fractious bunch who were normally at each other's throats, <laughs> their unanimity in supporting our project was, was uh, miraculous, to say the least. No, and I, I always appreciate that. And I've, I've had great support over the years from the academy, you know, because I think everyone recognised this was, was, was needed, you know. Yeah. So that got us started. Yeah. So that's 27 years ago, and you've... Obviously, you've went through different formats now. To there's one that's um... yeah. Well, it, it wasn't all plain sailing. Like the the, the it, it went for ten years, and then it there was a problem. Um, you know, cash flow, and you know, it was and it was business related uh, because of the unorthodox way in which it had been set up. I mean, there was no uh, no there was no capital had been raised or what anything. You know, I mean, so um, in fact, it, it is a typical case of business where you expand uh, rod. Uh, was involved in setting up a, a Scottish history magazine, which is still going, by the way, History Scotland. But it's that usual thing that uh, uh, exposes weaknesses in a business. So it it almost fell apart completely, but Nick Maxwell of Wordwell Books stepped in and, and took over History Ireland. And then he 
issued share capital and so on, right? People put money into it. I mean, you know, put their money where their mouth was. So this was several prominent academics who uh, shall remain nameless didn't just give it, you know, moral support. They came up with, you know, uh, financial support as well. And also Nick knew the business very well and the trends were favouring us in terms of printing costs were going down, things were going digital. You know, I mean, I remember in the old days, you know, the, old, the smell of cow gum, you know, fecking photographs and bromides and, you know, all sorts of bits of paper. Whereas now it's, it's all on my laptop, you know. Yeah. So those kind of trends in, in the technology favoured us, you know. Uh, the, only th- the only thing I say about that is it would be impossible to set up a hard copy magazine now, yeah. you know. Yeah. Everything's online. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Things are moving online and your History Ireland has moved on. You've got a, a very strong online presence, but you've yeah. also got the podcast now. The podcast arose from the, this idea I had for the, the History Ireland Head School, uh, which I debuted at the Electric Picnic in uh, 2010. That was my very first one. George Galloway, incidentally, was meant to be one of my panellists, and I got a phone call about, uh, uh, two hours before and saying his plane's been delayed, so I was down to three panellists. Then I got a phone call for a, a third panellist saying, oh, I'm, I'm looking for a bus in Dublin. And I said, you're on like in, in half an hour. Yeah. And uh, he had to jump in a taxi. And I had, had to, actually it was Hiram, uh, Hiram Morgan, went, went out with 200 euros. Right, to pay. That was my profit for the weekend. But once we got everybody together about half an hour late, you know, it's like once the, you know, the, the red light goes on, it's all, you know, yeah. good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, you know, and it went great, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that was quite scary, the first one, you know. Do you have any standout ones which you would think of was a favourite? Um, I think my, my standout one would be one we did in the National Library um, basically on revisionism. Uh, it, I think, what was the title? Uh, oh yeah, the War of Independence, Four Glorious Years or Squalid yeah, Sectarian so Conflict, mm-hmm. which kind of got yeah. to the, you know, uh, got to the point immediately. But I had um, David, the late, the late David Fitzpatrick, uh, who was you know, Peter Hart's supervisor, on one side and I had uh, John Regan on the other, you know. So it was like watching two stags go at it. But I have to say it was a very good, very restrained debate, but took a bit of preparation, you know. It was almost like the Good Friday Agreement, you know. you know, I had to lay down the parameters of what we would discuss. John Borganova was on the panel as well, and Eve Morrison, you know. But that was filmed because somebody, um, a film company, uh, wanted to film it. I think possibly used clips of it for a, a, a documentary, which never happened, you know. But it means we have a really top quality uh, video of it up on our um, website. But it has something embedded. You can't, you can't steal it somewhere. You want. If you try and ship it, it, it does something funny. So it's just embedded on our website. But especially Dave is no longer with us, of course. He, he mm. tragically died uh, earlier this year. Um, had been living in Belfast indeed, you know. But that was a good meaty discussion. And I think there was many people locked out, including prominent journalists like Vincent Brown, didn't get in because they, they showed up on time, but it was too late. Yeah. There was a queue around the block, you know. So that was a particularly good one. So that, that, that brings me on to what, what I want to talk about next is that a, a recent talk stroke interview that you in Trinity at the end of last year and yeah. is, is public history real history of yeah. course you, you, you straight in there you said it well, was it like, a, like a good barrister you yeah. know you don't, don't ask the question that you know what the answer is yeah, yeah. I, I said yes obviously yeah yeah but that with the podcast with the the magazines we need all these extra outlets of yeah. public history yeah now, you you started off doing walking tours well that, that was just to, to that's way old that's nearly 30 years ago yeah. uh, so that's what i mean yeah F- from then till now have you noticed obviously there's, there's more appetite for it but do you think that that brings the public the public now are well, mo- I, much more engaged 
I feel a bit like uh, Molière's uh, bourgeois gentleman that he didn't realise he'd been talking prose all his life. <laughs> so I've been doing public history all my life. I mean, the Walkinger thing was just a, a, a means to, to survive yeah. in college, you know. But uh, I didn't think I'd still be doing it. But it's, it's a great little business and, and uh, some very prominent people. I, I, I've given them the start, you know. Uh, Milo Shukru, who is now the yeah. professor in Trinity. Um, uh, Stuart Carlin, you're the writer of um, uh, Love, Hate, yeah. the blockbuster crime drama he was he was one of my guides you know and I'm st- I still have some very talented people there's a lot more competition now huh? a lot more competition now than ah yes but the, they don't have the quality you know? yeah well that's, yeah. that's needless so. to say you know no there, there's a huge appetite for it but I think though going back to the electric picnic I mean I was surprised at the fact when I went, first went as a, as a, as a paying punter you know they had the spoken word area uh, and I was thinking oh that, that won't last you know uh, but in fact that's the way all these festivals have gone now I think it's partly demographic that uh, you know, people, you know, my age and older and younger, who 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 still have the the urge to go to festivals. Maybe maybe not, you know, muddy ones like of yore. But you know, there's some kind of high-end boutique type uh, operations now. Yeah. I'm thinking of the one in uh, Burris House down in Carlow. You know, the Carlow yeah. um, uh, Literary Festival. Yeah. You know, and it's a beautiful setting. You know, and it's it's you know you have readings, poetry. You know chats like this you know all sorts of things i mean i i, I sat in on a absolutely engaging hilarious uh, it's just a two it just totally improvised thing tommy tiernan and kevin barry you know the writer of mm-hmm. uh, the city of bohane and they're just talking nonsense and you know having the crack you know uh, but very very entertaining that type of thing so there is a is a is a history obviously fits into that because it it, it lends itself to discussion i mean to storytelling you know controversy it's got everything you know yeah um if we can just jump back to the magazine itself yeah. so it covers all topics and it's been at the forefront of public history in that sort of format yeah especially through what feels like the never-ending decade of centenaries that we're, we're yeah. in at the minute yeah are there any topics decade of centenaries or other ways that you just feel like oh i'm glad uh, to see the back of that not know? really no it's more the tyranny of the, the 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 commemoration, you know that, and and this happens a lot with uh, people who send in submissions, you know, oh, you know, next next month is the hundredth anniversary. So sorry, lads, you should have, you know, should have contacted me last year, mm. you know, because there'd be six months of a year lead in usually for for most articles, you know, and sometimes you do feel like oh, you have to you have to mark this or that, uh, so it, it, more of that, but not there's no particular ones that I will not, you know, go near, you know. Mm. I mean, there have been some things that run and run the magazine, like the whole thing about Kilmichael, you know. Mm. Like at this stage, I think that issue is pretty much punched out, you know. Yeah. So if somebody offered me an article now saying, you know, they have the definitive thing, I'd kind of, you know, I'd, I'd yawn a bit. Because I think that that's interesting in itself. Because what it demonstrates is that there is a point beyond which you cannot ever find out what mm. actually happened. Mm-hmm. That at the end of the day, it's 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 a it's a matter of interpretation and you know opinion. Now that doesn't mean it's arbitrary because the opinion has to be based on on evidence. Like so, you, you know, so we're not talking about fake news here, right? Mm. You know, and this is another serious thing now in terms of our podcasts. A pretty uh, tiny drop in the ocean compared to the absolute nonsense and rubbish that's out there, and not just rubbish, dangerous, mm. dangerous uh, stuff which is not based on any uh, uh, evidence whatsoever, right? And, you know, there's some vile stuff out there. So this is where public history, not just the public history itself, but also uh, getting wide members of the public to understand the nature of research and evidence. Now, they don't have to know the 
detail, every single detail of a particular topic. But once you can give them an appreciation of how it works in broad terms, you know what I mean, the mm -hmm. parameters of what is or isn't evidence, you then equip them to take a critical look at all those other nonsenses out there. And that is absolutely vital. So that's the role public history plays. It's not just about the history, it's also about the here and now. Yeah. And equipping people with the, the uh, intellectual tools, you know, to deal with the, 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 the tsunami of information that's been thrown at them. Yeah. You just touched on Kilmichael there. Are you bracing yourself for, you know, like the 100th anniversary, which is coming up? You know, you said, that what else is there more to be said? But yeah. I'm thinking that like, History Ireland has a very sort of yeah. public, you know, in terms of who writes in and things like yeah. that there. You know, and I know, you know, with even before the decade of centenaries, I'm going back to the 90s, I've looked at a lot of letters to mm. uh, the History Ireland about Peter Hart's work. Yeah. You know, some of it can get quite vicious, and I'm sure yeah. there's, you know... I'd say the stuff in History Ireland is pretty mild compared yeah, yeah, to some yeah. of the stuff online, right? I mean, I, I... Peter Hart was a very good scholar, and again, no longer with us, you know? Now, if you want my opinion on it, I think he was uh, cavalier with the way he cited some of his sources. And instead of fessing up and coming out with his hands up, and it would have been dealt with, he got defensive about it, you know? And I think the problem is, it's not just his treatment of these sources, it's the way the sources, it, it, you know, there's an assumption that if you interview somebody, it's like kind of gold dust, it's, it's, it's a perfect source, you know. But of course, the minute speech leaves somebody's mouth, it's contaminated by all sorts of, uh, you know, issues. So there's an issue, like the, 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 the sources that Hart was using were, were conducted by a priest for some other project. Mm. So it was at several removes from his own work, you know. But that's as much as I've said about it because I am not uh, an expert in that particular area. All as I say is, having read all the stuff, uh, the artists about it, what's clear to me is Kilmichael was a really vicious encounter. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, not given, I would suggest, to totally rational discussion because when people are literally fighting for their lives in hand-to-hand -hand combat they're literally at each other with yeah. with shovels right uh, what it demonstrates is the nastiness of the war of independence but should that be a surprise like could we have had uh, some whiter than white kind of cowboys and indians type war of independence uniquely in the whole planet i don't think so you know also i think it's unreasonable to expect tom barry in his memoir uh, to be entirely factual, because he, he skates over the, the, the nastiness of it, but he's not writing a Tarantino script. Yeah. You know, he's writing in the style of the time. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and that was the style yeah. of the time. So again, it doesn't mean that Tom Barry is wrong. You know, yeah. I mean, my take on Tom Barry is pretty ruthless operator, mm -hmm. right? Not a pleasant individual by all accounts, some would say. That's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. The point is, if you're prosecuting a war, he's the kind of guy you want in your corner, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, so I think that we need to take, I mean, again, the other thing is, if you compare the violence in Ireland, whether it be, you know, 1916, the War of Independence, right up to, including the, the, uh, the, the, the Civil War, and you look at the, the overall death toll, you're talking about maybe three, 4,000 people, max. Absolutely tiny compared to, say, the 40,000 killed in six months in the Finnish Civil War, yeah. or the, the hundreds of thousands killed in the, the Turkey uh, Greece conflict. Like, there's all these little conflicts broke out after the First World War. Far more. Poland, for example. I mean, they, they, they didn't even know where their boundaries were, you know. I mean, the, the, there was all sorts of little wars going on, far more violent uh, than, than the conflict we had here, you know. So I think we should kind of take a, a, a step back and take a broader perspective on these things, you yeah. know. For a long, long time, 
Irish history was treated as an exceptional, you know, like national exceptionalism. Yes. It's taken a while for us to yes. sort of get, get out of that sort no, of mindset. No, I mean, I, I, you think it's, it's kind of stating the obvious, but we are not exceptional. You know, it, we were part of a wider, uh, uh, you know, uh, imperial um, uh, crisis, you know, with the, the First World War and the collapse of the various empires, you know. No, the, so we, we weren't exceptional, you know, and I think that that's one of the, the, the um, what I'm hoping uh, over the next couple of years, like we'll get that broader perspective into yeah. the discussion, you know. Yeah, I think the, the first five years of it or whatever set us up, you know, relatively well to cope with the next five years or the next four years, whatever it is now. Yeah. But um, you, you mentioned it in the in the head school in the, the, the National Library, mm -hmm. you know, um, you, you two different people in like different opposing corners. You yeah. Know? It is hard, no matter what way you slice it, to navigate around Irish history, no matter what period you're covering. Yeah. There's going to be controversy along along the way. Yeah. How does History Ireland deal with that on a sort of managerial level right. or a committee level? Very unsystematically, that's my immediate <laughs> answer. First of all, I have my own views on these things, right, which I I, I, I have no apology for, right. Um, on the, on the other hand, I am the custodian of this uh, forum, and uh, I am. Cre I mean, the, the, the longer it goes on, the older I get, the more I realise what a unique, you know, space that we've created here. Uh, and it, 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 the readers are drawn from a very wide spectrum, like from the ancient order of Hibernians to the loyal orders. And the reason I know that is, you know, I get the emails and letters of complaint, you know, about mm -hmm. the content. My favourite one being, you know. I'm writing to you to cancel my subscription. This is the second or maybe the third time I've cancelled my subscription. And I should have framed the letter, you know, which I didn't, you know, because obviously they came back for more, yeah. you know. So we've had articles, like in the current issue, for example, there's an article about this guy, Barry, who's a, a unionist politician from Limbavati, you know, the author of the unionist councillor, I believe. Never met him personally, you know. But he, I've established lines of communication with him. Uh, uh, a guy called Quincy Dugan's done a lot of stuff on the Orange Order, you know. You know, Quincy... Uh, you know, he, he comes from a particular place politically, you know, but very entertaining guy. And the point is, like, Quincy's good copy, you know. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. you know I, I did my undergraduate with Quincy. So, yeah. Right, you know him yeah, then, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, a lively, you know, good man have a pint mm -hmm. with, you know, I, I love his company, you know. But the man wants to talk about history and whatever, you know. So, you know, I, 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 that's, that's the approach I take, you know. So, but, I mean, the first thing I look for has to be interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, what I, I have no tons for is kind of boring, jargon-laden stuff, you know. You can oh, yawn, you know, and chucking in the bin, you know. But the thing is that, that it's, yeah. But the, the other thing is, though, I don't have this view that this is somehow kind of good medicine that everyone has to take, mm. you know, and it's all going to lead to peace and reconciliation, mm. right? That's a different argument, right? I'm just interested in the history, you know, and uh, warts and all, you know. Just touched on it about the, you know, the more troublesome Decade, yeah. Uh, yeah. parts of the decade of centenary. Do you see History Ireland as having a, a role in mediating some of this? I know there's going to be a lot of stuff done at a local level with the local history studies, you know, but it won't be my it won't be my explicit aim. If you know what I mean, I won't be going around um, like some Holy Joe, you know, mm. saying I'm going to calm, you know, like a bam and all the, these divisions. But the point is like that it is the major forum for, for discussion of, you know, in terms of book reviews, short articles based on books. You know, like if, if somebody puts an article into History Ireland, say a spin-off on their book, I mean, a hundred times more people are going to read the, the article in History Ireland than, than the book, you know. Now, the point is the book has to be published, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not an either-or situation, mm. right? It's an and situation, you know. Uh, so 
it provides that forum. So that, that's what it does. Like it, it's a space where uh, I, what I call a middle brow space, you know. Um, but I don't believe in dumbing things down either. I just believe that anyone who knows their stuff, if they're asked a straight question, should be able to answer it mm -hmm. in, a, in, a, in a way that's understandable and not hide behind complexity. So oh, that's a, that's a complex mm -hmm. thing. Sorry, I don't accept yeah. that answer, right? It's like Einstein, uh, as, uh, as simple as possible, but no simpler. Yeah. That's, that, that is the, the mark of a really good scholar, that they can, they can, um, they can keep the kernel of the, of the truth of what it is they want to say or that they've researched, but pitch it in an appropriate manner. That's part of the job, yeah. in my opinion, you know? And that's, that's what we do. Uh, so I, I mean, the, 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 if, you, if you go by what's happened over the last number of years, I would be very optimistic. Uh, I think the problem has been at the government level where they were just, you know, scared, rigid, you know, how they're going to deal with this, you know. And my attitude was, listen, lads, you just provide the funding and let the, the, us get on with it. I mean, not just me now, but, you know, provide a bit of funding, let the civil society, the local groups, let them get on with it. And that's what's actually happened, that, that they've all, you've, these fantastic things are happening at local level. Now, they vary in quality and, and it could be a little pageant or something or whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, overall, the, the, the quality and, and quantity of the stuff has been amazing and brilliant. And uh, it, it, that's going to happen anyway. Yeah. You know? So in a way, this thing is outside the control of the powers that be, whoever they are, you know. So bring you on to the current special edition yeah. uh, of History Ireland, which is out. It's out at the moment, actually. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. the Irish Revolution on a global, a global uh, history. Yeah. Global history. Yeah. How, how did that come about? And can you tell us about who, who was involved with it? Because you've got a lot of people there. Yeah. Not well, I mean, the problem is we, we, we'd made the stick to, to, to beat our, ourselves with in that we had already published two standalone supplements. These are separate to the magazine, you know. Uh, first one was on the, on the 1916 Rising. The next one was on that in-between, 1916 to, to, to uh, 18, with the very predictable title, All Change, you know, mm. Change Utterly, whatever. But they were different in their own way. The first one was, was uh, kind of established people, maybe Joe Lee and uh, Roy Foster and so on. The second one then on that, the, 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 the interregnum period was more uh, younger uh, yeah. scholars, you know. And I was scratching my head saying, geez, what are we going to do for the War of Independence now, you know. And then luckily then I just, I bumped into Fergal McGarry as, as, as one does occasionally. And Fergal w w told me about this big research project, you know, a global history, yeah. you know. And it had the usual conference publications, you know, the usual package of stuff. But as part of their brief, they wanted an outreach, you know, uh, public history element to the thing, you know, and he had funding, you know, which is important. Uh, and of course, Job for History Ireland, you know, so we exchanged a few memos and um, drew up a contract or whatever, such as it was. And he produced the copy, you know, it was, it was great. I mean, very clean copy, on time, you know, so that's, that was the genesis of it. So it's a spin-off from Fergal and, and Ender Delaney's uh, project. Can you name a few people? There's still that wet the appetite of the... Dara Gannon is there. They're all, I mean, I, I, some of them won't be that well known. Margaret Ward, who will be on my, my high school panel uh, shortly. Um, Brian Hanley. Uh, oh, God, I can't think. I, I should have the list I've here. I've put you on me. the spot, sir. Yeah, um, you check the list yourself, yeah. right? Um, in the local news agents, it's on sale. Uh, but so most of them would be... Um, may not be that well known, but the topics are just, you know, irresistible. Yeah. You know, I mean, you have one on uh, Poland, you know, comparisons with, with Poland, uh, one on the, the, the issue of, you know, the, the Republican bonds which were sold in the United States, you know, because uh, that's, you know, in any, any aspect of life, 
if you follow the money, you know, mm -hmm. look at the account, look at the, the accounts. Well, you, you got most of the 90% of the story, you know. Well, I'll tell you something, when I went in to do my undergraduate dissertation and did it with Fergal, that's yeah. the first thing Fergal said to me, follow the money. Right there, well, there I mean, go. that's a fascinating story, you know, mm -hmm. because you people like um, There Will Be Blood with yeah. uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, that's based on a real life character, mm -hmm. his oil magnet, he was of Irish background, mm -hmm. like he, he chucked in you know, ten thousand dollars worth apparently. You know, so that was a good excuse to take a, stick a picture of Daniel Day Lewis yeah. <laughs> in that part. You know, you always have to think of the the the, the picture angle yeah. in History Ireland. You know, yeah. Um, so tonight, just after we finish here, you're yeah. going to do another head school, and then you've got a head school tomorrow night in Cork. Oh, this is a busy week. I, yeah. I feel like a show band. You know, so I'm, what's, I'm, it's, what's it's, it's uh, Belfast tonight in Cork, yeah. uh, Cove actually tomorrow. No, later on, uh, there's a launch uh, in the Lynn Hall of uh, Anonymous Was a Woman, which uh, Jason Burke has put together. Um, but as well as that, there's an online uh, exhibition called uh, A Century of Women, and we're taking that as the title for the head school. So we have uh, Margaret Ward, uh, Myrtle Hill, and they were involved in putting together the, um, the online exhibition. Uh, uh, we have um, Baroness May Blood, uh, just as somebody who was, who's, was a female mill worker, you know, she's been there, worn the t-shirt. And as a token male, we have uh, Donald Fallon, yeah. uh, who's, who's um, the, the Community Me blog. Yeah. So Donald is kind of currently bilocated between Dublin and, and Belfast. He's lecturing here at the moment. So that's the panel. Yeah. So what does the future hold for History Ireland then? Are you, are you planning on sort of more of these standalone? I think we need to do a special issue on the Civil War. But I think what, 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 I'm going to, what I'm thinking of is a comparative look at civil wars. Mm. Um, you know, either at the time, or you could even pull in the Spanish Civil War, uh, or even the American Civil War, civil wars the Irish have been involved in. Mm -hmm. uh, but just to look at that as a broad phenomenon, rather than getting into the, the issue of kind of who shot who yeah. from behind what hedge. Because in fact, like the military side of the civil war has been pretty much dealt with. There's these series of books published by Mercer Press, which are very good at because it, it, it very objectively lays down what happened, you know. But beyond that, that's not the story, I don't think. The story is the, the, the political story. I mean, you, you could argue, for example, that unlike other newly uh, independent nations where the liberation movement became a one-party state, mm -hmm. that didn't happen here because of the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Now, as you're going to say, don't quote me on that. I'm on television here. But, you know, it, it'd be very difficult to argue that that was a, a positive thing that came mm -hmm. out of the Civil War. But, but in a way, it is that you've had a, a either Fianna Fáil or the rest, you know, in and out of government, mm -hmm. right? Of course, cynics might say that they were both equally inept, you know, in government. But, you know, but seriously, it does make a difference that you have a, a you have a, plural, a plurality uh, politically, yeah. you know. So that's one aspect. But that might be worth looking at in in, in other uh, situations, you know. Some civil wars just go on forever. Mm -hmm. Like Angola went on for decades. Like why is that? Like you know what, what you know why do some are some you know short like in Ireland, thankfully, others kind of drag on, yeah. uh, or or do they drag on politically in other ways? You know, mm -hmm. it's it's you know it's 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 an interesting question, you know. But the other thing about this is, though, there's no getting away from the fact that contemporary politics has a huge bearing. So, for example, mm -hmm. this whole Brexit thing, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it is no doubt, it has completely uh, altered people's perception of the history. Like, so we, we, next, our next issue, for example, is uh, the 850th anniversary of the arrival of Strongbow and the Normans, <laughs> or the English, actually, as they call yeah. themselves. But Brexit has put that in a whole new perspective, yeah. you know? Uh, although in my editorial, I, I, I do kind of... Uh, sort of slightly tongue-in-cheek, make the point that 
the, the justification for the invasion was that they were going to restore order, the anarchy of the Gaelic Irish and so on and so forth. And you look at what's happened across the water now and the, 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 the shoe is on the other foot, mm -hmm. like uh, very much so, you know. But, you know, there, there's no doubt that that, that ha is going to affect things because, you know, up until a few years ago, till, till the, the, the Brexit referendum, you know, with, with, the, with the, the Queen coming here and mm -hmm. so on, the little nod at the, the Garden Remembrance, I mean, that had a huge effect in, 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 in terms of how we look at the past. But now the, this Brexit thing is toxic, you know? But that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, that's a whole other, for another time. Yes. But Tommy Graham, thanks Thank very, very much. much. Cheers. Thank you.